and welcome to episode 109 of the HHH Racing Podcast. I'm your host, Howard Kravitz. What a show I have for you guys tonight with a crazy, crazy, fun, exciting, good weekend on many fronts at Gulfstream Park uh, for me and the show. And we'll be talking all about it tonight. Uh, There's a lot of ways that you can support myself and the podcast the first thing you can do is make sure you subscribe if you've not subscribed on the bottom right hand side of the screen please make sure you do that we are close to 700 subscribers i have a goal of a thousand when i started the show a year ago i was hoping at some point we'd get to a thousand we're getting there we're approaching 700 folks it costs absolutely nothing to subscribe all you gotta do Just tell your friends, your neighbors, your parents, people at work, explain to them that all it does by subscribing is it tells YouTube this is a fun podcast and channel that people should pay attention to. You won't get annoying uh, emails. You won't get annoying spam from YouTube. It costs you absolutely nothing. Uh, Please make sure you tell everyone, even if they're not involved in horse racing, uh, do it for me. Just tell them to subscribe. That's all they got to do. Um, after they do that, if they want, you can hit that notification bell. And then if you do that, then you'll get messages from YouTube telling you when uh, new content arises on the show. But you certainly don't have to do that if you don't want to be bothered. Uh, but I would appreciate that also because uh, then you'll know when I have new content. Like today, we don't usually go on Monday nights, but I got a lot to talk about tonight. And then also, please make sure you smash that like button of course that also indicates to youtube that people should watch the show you see there on my name tag of course you can reach me an email hkravitzhorse at gmail.com uh and also uh actually on the uh, name tag is my twitter handle there at hkravitz send out a lot of cool stuff from the weekend on twitter uh and that is over 600 followers so again uh if you are involved in twitter uh, please make sure you subscribe um, and join me on Twitter as well. You can see on the bottom of the screen there on the scroll, the next live show we have is our usual time, Thursday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, with Brian Nadow, who does a fantastic job on the simulcast feed at Gulfstream Park. He also works for Capital OTB. Those of you up in the Northeast uh, know Brian probably very well because he works at Saratoga. Uh, over the summer, covering Saratoga uh, through Capital OTB. He's going to be with us next Thursday night because Gulfstream Park, ladies and gentlemen, has a great card next Saturday too, or this Saturday, I should say. Uh, five more stake races. They're all grade threes, including the Holy Bull, which is the first major uh, stake race at Gulfstream uh, for the three-year-olds on the road to the Kentucky Derby. So Brian Nadal will join us on Thursday night, 8 p.m. Eastern. Make sure you check us out uh, for that. Got a lot of people watching already. Really appreciate that because I have a lot of things uh, to share uh, with you folks. If you're not watching live here on Monday night, um, hopefully you'll see you're seeing this as a replay uh, later on uh, this week. Uh, and please feel free to comment down below the video player. Um, anything about the show? I'd like to hear from you. What do you like? What do you dislike? Uh, do you want 
when I talk to my guests, do you want just more handicapping or would you like to know more about their lives and stories and whatnot? Let me know. Um, cause I'm going to have some great guests coming up. Uh, some who, of whom I just met at Gulfstream, uh, this past weekend. I'll, I'll share those with you as well. Also the race day blog. Um, I think it's a fantastic, uh, handicapping tool. I gave out a lot of winners on this blog on Saturday, some good winners earlier in the card. If you subscribe to the race day blog, you know what I'm talking about. Give out some good winners earlier on the card that we don't talk about on the show. Um, pick fours, pick fives. It's really expensive folks. 1299 for the month. It's three bucks a weekend, less than a program in a lot of uh, jurisdiction, a lot of horse, uh, tracks, racing tracks. So, uh, please support, uh, the channel. Now I want to make sure everyone knows that if you're going to do that, um, I do it through Patreon. You can see there on the bottom, it's patreon.com backslash HHH racing podcast. You go there, you sign up, uh, the, uh, Patreon site, uh, will automatically charge you at the beginning of the month. So right, uh, as I speak here on Monday, the 31st, I wouldn't do it tonight. Wait till tomorrow, the first or sometime later this week. Um, because it will uh, charge you on the first of every month. So that's how Patreon works. Please sign up. I'd like to get more subscribers to that uh, Patreon website uh, where I give what I believe are excellent selections. Again, price plays are hitting close to 40% uh, for me on there. And I give more details on the ABC plays and other tracks also I give picks. Many things on the blog I do not are not discussed on this podcast. So highly recommend you do that. Uh, let's see who we have here as well. I'm going to go ahead and turn off the uh, scroll here. And let's see who we have here. We got Ralph. Ralph joining the chat. Again, please make sure on the upper right-hand corner there, you guys go ahead and live chat into the blog so we can have some great uh, conversations here tonight. Ralph, thanks for joining the show. Always a great supporter. Really appreciate it. Uh, folks, here's the rundown of what we're going to talk about uh, tonight, I know we're going to have a lot of people as I'm talking right now. I see we have more people uh, jumping on live. Uh, we are going to talk very briefly, talk about some of the big races that occurred on Saturday at Gulfstream um, on Pegasus World Cup Day. Then uh, I'm going to briefly talk about some of the great people uh, and things that happened at Gulfstream this weekend. Some people I met. Unbelievable experience overall. Then there were three crazy, <laughs> crazy good things that happened to me in terms of betting. And I, the reason why I'm going to talk about it is not to brag about my scores or the money, is to sort of try to educate and teach some of you folks out there, whether you play tournaments or not, more about the betting side, getting details, getting a little bit of math, and just try to explain why I was successful this weekend uh, with the tournaments. Uh, so we'll, we're going to talk about that as well. And then the last thing I'm going to discuss is I made some uh, bets, including one pretty large one for myself, into pool two of the Derby Futures. And I did that uh, two weeks ago. Uh, actually, it was a week ago, I believe. So um, I'm going to publicly announce my Derby Future picks. And you folks can tell me if I'm crazy or not. But we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Again, we have a lot more people uh, joining. We have 
Brad Anderson. Brad is joining the show from uh, – Brad hasn't warmed up yet in Florida. I believe it has. Brad is uh, chatting in here from sunny Florida. Uh, thanks a lot, Brad, for your comments. Really appreciate it. Uh, we got Jim uh, uh, from Buffalo. Uh, thanks, Jim. Appreciate it. Uh, it was a crazy weekend. Uh, really exciting. I'm going to tell you guys some more te- details about it. Uh, thanks, guys, uh, for uh, joining the show tonight. All right, let's get into uh, some recaps here. And again, uh, I'm going to go relatively quickly through these recaps, uh, but I think there are some important things to talk about, including some important horses to cover. And we're just going to show a few replays as well. So I go ahead and bring up the screen here and the PPs right now. So as I do that, there we go. All right. I'm going to go full screen here. Actually, I'll go for full screen in a minute. Uh, there were seven stake races. We're not going to cover each, each stake race. We're not going to go through all of them in detail, but we are going to talk uh, just a little bit. Before I do that, just want to throw other, one other comment. My good friend, Matt Miller, the BCBC champion, is here. Um, thank you very much, Matt. Appreciate it. I'll talk about uh, Matt's influence a little bit into uh, some decision-making I had uh, this weekend. Matt is an excellent tournament player. I don't have to uh, talk about his praises. He'd won the damn BCBC and half a million dollars. So <laughs> there you go. Drop the mic for Matt. But uh, Matt, thanks for joining the show. You know, uh, I appreciate everything you've uh, done for me and all the advice you've given me. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about the races here briefly. The first one we're going to mention is race five. This was the La Provayant. I'm just going to show it was a grade three is for Philly and mares. I'm not going to show the replay. There's the chart. You can see it on the top there. Um, it was a Christophe Clement exacto, beautiful lover beat Sorel. And you can see there on the chart, they beat the favorite always shopping. I will say, and one thing that you folks will know about me, if you don't know this already, I'll be brutally honest with you and pretty much reveal almost anything within reason. I was singled to Always Shopping in my pick five. I did have Beautiful Lover and Sorel um, as Bs and Cs, but as it turned out, I was only alive to my lone A, Always Shopping. Really no excuse she got the lead. Relatively slow fractions, but she was pushed a little bit. Just couldn't hang on. Congratulations to Christophe Clement for winning and coming in second in the La Provence. Let's go to race seven. Uh, this race bothered me quite a bit. Uh, this was the male version of the race I just talked about. It was the grade three WL McKnight, a mile and a half on the turf, $200,000. Uh, this was the race before the late pick five. I, and believe it or not, I'm going to go ahead and put us on screen here. I had a great show uh, to preview. I sort of like this look. Let's just keep this look for a second. Try some new uh, new camera looks here. Um, Mike uh, Beer, Dan Elman, great guys. We all, we were all were on a price shot in this race. We had very good reasons for it. We were all on the number six Bama Breeze. You can see just finished, you know, mid-pack, a little towards the bottom. Uh, we really liked him. I was ecstatic with the price. Went off at nine and a half to one. Um, I did not like a bond at all. I'll be honest. He was the favorite. 
I thought there was a lot more speed in the race. It just didn't develop. I mean, you can see the fractions there, 25, 50. And Bama Breach just never fired. I, I don't know what happened. I mean, he was a little bit further back. I thought he was going to close well. Just a total disaster of a pick from me, to be honest, and Mike and Dan. Just didn't fire. Uh, if there was a faster pace, that would have helped. But Aban is an up-and-coming horse for Pletcher. Temple in second. I don't think any of these horses really uh, are going to be factors going forward. You can see the buyers, though. Aban did get a 96 buyer. Um, maybe he is better than I give him credit for. We'll see. I'm sure he's going to be racing in New York in those long-distance distance races. We'll see how Aban does going forward. Race 8 was the inside information. This started the late pick 5. And again, this was another favorite that I just wasn't a fan of. Uh, Brad Cox wins this race with, race with just one time and an up and cl uh, coming horse for him. So you can see the chart there um, paid $5. I thought she was a horrible favorite. I was much more interested in four graces in Jakarta and a lot of horses underneath, but just one time, frankly, ran fantastic uh, closed. I thought the dirt track was pretty fair really all day. The turf course ended up being a little more speed favoring. Um, but just one time, won the inside information, frankly, was disappointing to me. She was a B, as in boy, for me in the pick five. When you get a B at three to two, that is not a good start to your pick five. Uh, as most of you folks know, as I go ahead and put myself uh, partially back on screen there, uh, the pick five paid $60. No one it was very chalky all day. No one made any money, really, unless you just played a straight ticket in the pick five. Overall, was quite disappointing. Uh, let's go uh, to the next race. This was the uh, Pegasus, Philly, and Mare uh, turf. Grade three, $500,000. Again, I'm not going to show the replay of this. I will show replays of the two real big races. Um, this race, I was um, indifferent about. Um, in terms of my pick five, I was not happy. It was another big favorite. Regal Glory looked like she just laid over the field. And in fact, she did. She made a nice close. Myself and Mike Beer especially were very interested in gift list here. The five, who was the five horse. She ran okay. She was up much closer to the pace than I thought. I thought she'd be a little bit further back. But she got a ground-saving trip. Finished a decent fourth. I couldn't believe the price. Again, 12 to 1. I was looking at my chops. I played her in the contest. We'll talk about that. Uh, but Real Glory was just tons of the best. Came over the top and won. Um, in a way, it was good for me for the contest. I'll talk about that. Um, not good for me, really, in the pick five. Just another chalk that I uh, was hoping to beat in the pick five. But in the contest, actually, as we'll talk about, worked out very well for me there. All right. Uh, the last race that I'm not going to show a replay of, but I'm going to talk about, was Speaker's Corner in the Hooper. This was a mile, and I had a very, very, very strong opinion. I'm not going to replay. I'm not going to replay, folks, what I said on the show. You can go back and look at it. I loved Speaker's Corner in this spot. I mean, she went off. Excuse me. He went off three to two, so it's not like I had a long shot there. But Fearless was the favorite. And there was definitely more double money on Fearless for sure. Again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Speaker's Corner went to the lead. And those fractions you see, 22 and 4, 45 and 4, 110, might not seem that fast to you um, going a mile at Gulfstream. However, 
Uh, let me put myself back on full screen for a second. As I talked about on the show Thursday, last Thursday, it was very windy out there. And I said it was it was going to be that way on the show. I watched the Weather Channel, and it was exactly what I thought. The wind was coming out of the north. It was a definitely steady 15 to 20 miles per hour. It was very windy on Saturday, quite cold, um, as you know, for Florida. <laughs> I'm from Chicago. I know all you people northeast. There was a blizzard. I get it. But for Florida, it was fine. There was like wind chill warnings Saturday night and Sunday morning. And the wind chill was like 35 degrees. Just cracked me up. But again, it's all relative, folks. When you're used to 70 and 80, that's really damn cold. Anyway, um, they were into the wind on the backstretch. So when you see 22 and 4, 45 and 4, that's probably more like 22 and 1, you know, 45. So going a mile, they were going pretty fast. Just take that, keep that in mind when you see these races in the PPs going forward. Just remember that if the times look a little slower too early, it's because there's a big wind into them on the um, backstretch there. Anyway, I thought Fearless Corner, uh, excuse me, Speaker's Corner ran great. I really hope this horse stays healthy and goes to the Met Mile. Um, I'm going to talk about the Met Mile a little later. Uh, this is a very good horse, very good horse, and just getting better. So Speaker's Corner is going to be a factor in a lot of stake races this year. All right. Now, let's get into the two big races. And I want to talk about these races in more detail and show some replays. Uh, first of all, the Pegasus World Cup turf. It was a $1 million purse. It was about a mile and eighth uh, for older horses. You can see the winner, of course, we know was Colonel Liam. We're going to watch the stretch run here in just a minute. Was coming off a layoff. I was trying to beat him, and I think a lot of people in the contest were going to talk about it. That uh, we're trying to beat him. I was definitely trying to beat him in the pick five. Um, I knew he could win, uh, but you know, and he took a lot of money late. You can see he went off at one point six to one. Took a lot of money late. I was very interested in Space Traveler, and never surprised. Of course, they finished two three. I also thought Sacred Life had a shot to win. I pretty much narrowed it down to those four. If it wasn't Colonel Liam, I thought Never Surprised Space Traveler Sacred Life were the most likely other uh, horses that could win. And again, I'll get into the... Um, I also... I said I liked Field Pass on the show, full disclosure, on Thursday. He was completely dead on the board. There were things I didn't like about him in the paddock. And he went off at 23-1. to 1. He wasn't taking money. I was actually against Field Pass on the day. Although I did think he was interesting... 48 hours ahead. Um, I see we got some quick comments here. Uh, Jim mentioned that too often um, on these all stick all stakes, they come chalky. Uh, no surprise to me, your big hit came on a regular card Sunday. Yeah, Jim, you know, it's not always that way, though. You know, it just happened to be that way. Um, I think some of the reason why you get that is because they're smaller fields, but they were decent sized fields Saturday. Just didn't work out that way. Um, Gemini, Gemini, thanks for joining the show. Uh, Pletcher, Cox, and Brown are really good, um, obviously. But there's other trainers that can win races. Clement, obviously, is very capable. Uh, in California, there's a lot of good trainers. I mean, you just mentioned trainers that win in basically out east and in Kentucky. But there's horses that can win. Louis uh, there's trainers that can win all over the place, in Louisiana, out west, etc. There's a lot of good trainers out there. But those are definitely three of the best ones for sure. Um, I want to talk about two horses in this race. I'm going to go ahead and bring up 
this race here. And this is courtesy of NBC as I go full screen. The two horses you're going to want to pay attention to are in the back of the pack. The eight right here, Sacred Life, and the one next to him um, was Space Traveler. These two horses ran much better than it looked, especially, especially Space Traveler. Space Traveler is going to be the horse I think you want coming out of this race. Of course, everyone sees this, but just take a look at the eight here in the Michael Dub silks there and the one Space Traveler, but especially what happens to the one. Of course, this is never surprised on the lead. Who It was honest fractions. They weren't that fast, but they were honest. And then you can see here in those purple silks was uh, Colonel Liam here. Uh, this is Doswell. Colonel Liam is going to win the race. But again, take a look at these two horses in behind. So I'll go ahead and, and show the stretch here. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, turn off the sound. I'm not sure. I don't think you guys actually heard that. I think that was just me. Um, but you can see both these jockeys have, by the way, again, the one here is Jamie Spencer and the eight on sacred life was, uh, sorry, let me get my, uh, was Jose Ortiz. All right. We'll go ahead and run it here. First of all, they have monster holds and all they have is traffic. You see right here, the eight was able to get out. So the eight is able to get out of this hole. But look at that. You can just look at the arms on Jamie Spencer. Monster hole. Absolutely nowhere to go. Jamie Spencer should have been up here where my arrow is. He should not have been this far back. He should have been right up here. He, he wrangled him back early, as you can see, into a slower, slowish pace. I have no idea what he was thinking. This is just an awful ride, with all due respect. You see, Sacred Life is able to get out. But he has to go. Look how wide. Sacred Life here is in about, what, the 4-5 path right here. And Colonel Liam already is getting the jump on these two. And again, Space Travelers all the way in back, in behind horses, practically in last as they hit the top of the stretch. There's no way you're going to win from there. He still has a hold. As you, I'm going to let it run here. Finally, Jamie Spencer goes to the inside. Now he finds room. But already, he's you know he's got to make up four or five lengths. You see him closing huge on the inside, and there's Sacred Life on the outside. And we hit the wire here. Again, here's uh, Space Traveler finishing third, blowing by everyone in the field except Never Surprise. And here's Sacred Life also making up a lot of ground while five wide. So these two horses, especially Space Traveler here and Sacred Life as well, I'm going to let it roll one more time. I'm just gonna, this time, I'm just going to let it run. You'll get a better idea. These two horses, I thought, ran very well. You see Space Traveler even checked right there. And so, although Colonel Liam won and he did it well, he got a very good trip. And really, with a better trip, I think the one or the eight were capable of making this very, very interesting, especially Space Traveler, which would have been great for me in the contest. Uh, but again, hats off to... Uh, Colonel Liam, well-deserved, ran well, ran frankly better than I thought he would. Uh, but I would say overall, I was disappointed there as I go full screen with that result in one way. In another way, end up being okay, we'll talk about it. All right, let's go ahead and now, uh, by the way, I've heard little inklings that maybe Colonel Liam might go um, to Dubai uh, with Possibly life is good. Uh, Colonel Liam has, in my opinion, no shot. 
absolutely no shot in in the Dubai turf. Um, I don't think he's as good as domestic spending. He's a very nice horse. He's not domestic spending. Um, he might be the best turf horse in training right now in the country. If he tries something overseas, I do not think that's going to work out well for Colonel Liam. We'll have to see. Maybe he's better than I think. I personally don't think so. By the way, got a uh, – I should actually go back to the form here. Let me go ahead and do that. I haven't really talked about buyers much. I should. So I will go full screen, folks. Uh, Colonel Liam got a 102 buyer. You can see there, top left-hand corner. So that was his buyer top um, by two points. I guess if he continues to improve, can he run like a 105, 107, 108? I guess. I don't think so. Um, I think he's going to live in that low 100s range, which is obviously very good and win a lot of money, but that's not like world-class or anything. So we'll just have to see. Uh, let's go ahead now to the Dubai World Cup. Um, and I'm just going to go ahead. I'll go ahead and put myself on screen here just for a minute as well before we start the race. I talked about this race ad nauseum. So did everyone. A lot of people talked about this race. I was all in, as everyone knows, on Life is Good. Um, I thought Life is Good was better than Nick's go now. I definitely thought he was faster. Craig Milkowski, who does time form, had him faster. Every measure, I'm going to go ahead and full screen for a second. Every measure that I saw by the numbers, every metrics, all the people I respect, said Life is, goes fast, uh, life is Good. There we go. I knew I was going to do it. <laughs> life is Good was faster early. Uh, it proved out in this race. Anyone who likes Nick's go, totally understand it. Totally get it. What a great career. Congratulations to Brad Cox and all the connections for a, a masterful training job and a great career. But I thought on this day, it was going to be life is good. And I was all in, in a lot of ways on life is good. And <laughs> we're going to talk about that here uh, in just a minute. Uh, and as I go ahead and bring it up, they both went, by the way, uh, life is good actually went off as a very, very slight favorite. Life is good went off at, uh, they both were four to five on the board. Life is good went off at point zero point eight to one. And Nick's ago went, went off at zero point nine to one. So life is good was a very, very, very slight favorite. I sent out, uh, videos of the beginning of the end of the race on Twitter and please, I'd love to hear your comments. I know a lot of you are just watching and listening right now, but please comment on how you felt either below the video player or especially in the chat, how uh, you felt about this race in general. Um, again, life is good as the four. Uh, Nick's go is the one. And this is the NBC feed, so they're going to be doing a lot of jumping around with their cameras, which I didn't really like necessarily. But life is good, amazingly, did not break right on top. He broke... He, he didn't break a half step slow. It's going to be hard to tell in this pan shot, but he broke slightly outward a little bit and just not perfectly. I actually thought Nick's go, the first two jumps, three jumps, actually outbroke life is good. But life is good is so damn fast once he gets his feet under him that he was able to clear. And when he cleared, I said to myself, this race is over. We're going to go ahead and watch it here. And you can see, and again, this is from the behind. You can see right there, I don't know if you caught that. I'm going to re back it up. Irad looked to his left to see, again, right there. You see right here, 
Um, you know, life is good as what? Maybe half a body length behind Stiletto Boy, who shockingly broke unbelievable. Even Chess Chief really outbroke life is good a little bit by about half a length. But once he gets his right here, once he gets his head, I mean, he's already about in the lead here, about six jumps in. You can see he looked to his left, and amazingly, Stiletto Boy actually uh, was faster than Nixco, at least in the very, very early part. What you don't see is Nixco did bump just a little bit with Chess Chief and Stiletto Boy, and I don't have that head on. But believe me, folks, there was a very, very, very slight bump. But in general, right here, when Nixco clear excuse me life is good clears uh it's a lot of trouble right here and and by the way you see how wide also life is good is here i don't want to put this down i rarely just watch uh this is the camera angle that i know a lot of people on track on very uh annoying i don't know how people felt in general i guess it's pretty cool but you see how far already um that joel rosario and nick's go is behind life is good at this point a place that Nixco did definitely did not want to be at, although in a comfortable spot in general. They went 23, um, not blazing. And right here, I mean, look at the hold on Life is Good. I mean, I thought right here, if Life is Good can't win this race, I don't know what to say. And I'll talk about a little bit what kind of money I had in the line. You can see a little bit of dirt being kicked in the face of uh, Nixco. It gives you a sense of the kickback. Now, this half of 46... That was another 23-second uh, second quarter and into a strong win. So I love the fact that um, Irad didn't try to get like cute and rate a little bit. He just said, let's go, boy. We're just going to go. Um, Tom Espinoza, yeah, I understand you wanted to see a little ding-dong battle. I didn't know what was going to happen, Tom. Selfishly, I was happy at this point. Um, I, I think Nick's go would have been worse than second if they ding-donged it, in my opinion. I think it potentially could have been out of the money. Uh, we'll never know, of course. Anyway, they head down the backstretch. Endorsed actually made the eight, actually made a little run here on the outside. He got up to the flank of Nixco for quite a while. I actually thought Endorsed was going to be a threat here to not win the race, but, you know, maybe in the money. So you see Stiletto Boy back in third for Jose Ortiz. And it says slow on the top. I'm not sure it's really slow. They went 110. Again, clicked off another about 23-2, and two. pretty honest. Right here, it says slow. I'm not sure I really agree with that. But anyway, that's another story. Right here, I, I thought, you know, Nixco would, or excuse me, life is good, really would have had to completely fall apart. As Irad now starts asking, and you see on the inside here is Stiletto Boy. He ran a huge race. Uh, Endorse starts backing up. Uh, Irad goes to the whip. He's handwriting. Life is good as getting out a little bit again. He got out of the middle of the track. He's done this before. There was no one around him. Right about here, I knew the race was completely over. It was a battle for second against the Letta Boy fighting. Give Nixco credit, though. I thought Nixco actually ran pretty darn well. I really do. Irad looks over the screen, gives a little pat on the neck. It's all over. Uh, a diminishing, well, I think it was three. We'll look at the chart here in a minute. Stiletto Boy ran fantastic. I think Life is Good could have won by a little bit more. Uh, again, I thought Nixco ran well. That's all she wrote, folks. It was all over. Again, congratulations to everyone involved in that race there. As I go and bring up the form of this race, let me go ahead and switch it over. 
uh, there's the life is good uh, chart winning the race and you see a 110 folks 110 buyer for life is good uh, Nick Skill ran a 105 listen that's not bad I mean you look at his numbers I mean yeah he's run 112s 111 113 but again those were when he had the lead and he didn't look like he was getting the lead in this race and but what's wrong with the 105 stiletto boy runs his career top 104 i will say uh, ladies and gentlemen i will be completely against stiletto boy next time completely he ran his hard out he ran huge i'm not sure he can do that uh the next time again life is good as a 110 his buyers are just keep going up and keep going good um he is gonna be a major threat anywhere congratulations now, let me talk about where they might be going forward. Don, you had, by the way, Gabriel Espinoza. I don't think, Gabriel, I've seen you. Um, yes, this is horse racing. <laughs> Congratulations, Gabriel. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, Don Allen. Uh, Don, thanks for joining the show. You read my mind. Let's talk about what's going to be happening here going forward. I'm going to take myself uh, off screen here for a minute. Or, sorry, put myself on screen. Uh, here's what's happening, according to what I've heard. Nixco, obviously, is retired. He's already at TaylorMade Farms, resting comfortably, doing well. Great career for uh, Nick Sko. Life is good. The plan, and I was at the press conference actually after the race. I sent out a quick video with Todd Pletcher there. Um, by the way, at the press conference, Irad said if Nick Sko had, you know, showed as much speed as life is good, he was not taking back. He was going to stay right on his flank. And he was going to harass Nick's go the entire way. I just thought people would like to know that. Um, I'm not sure people heard that. But Irad said that after the race in the press conference. Also, Todd Pletcher said in the press conference that life is good is the best, the best number one horse he's ever had. You think of all the winners that Todd Pletcher's had and all the you know, grade ones and unbelievable, you know, Kentucky Derby winners, blah, blah, blah. Life is good is his best horse ever, he said in the press conference. Um just want to throw that out. Gemini, I know a lot of people on Twitter were talking about this, especially fans of of Nick's go. Um, I don't know what else you wanted Louis Saez to do, Gemini. And again, if people disagree with me or agree with me, uh, we can have a casual argument, you know, respectfully <laughs> in the chat. I, I don't know what else you want Louis Saez to do. I mean, he sent, he went as hard as he could. Life is good is just a faster horse early. And again, Gemini, I understand your you know frustration if you're a, a Nick's Go fan and you want him to be on the lead. I, I don't Nick's Go plainly was not as fast as life is good early. Um, every indicator that I saw said that. Time form, you know, Equibase, you could you can look it up. Um, he was just faster early. So I really don't blame Saez, Cox, anyone. He's just not as fast. Again, when you see when you see one 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 in the PPs, folks, you really have to look carefully at other metrics. I mean, obviously, one 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 in in sprinting is not going to be the same as one 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 in route racing. And life is good, really. I mean, he can go a route, obviously, but he'd run some run some very fast early fractions sprint racing. Remember the Jackie's Warrior race in the summer? I mean, not only that, life is good is 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 a newly turned four year old. I mean, he's just getting better. So, you know, 
Um, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you can complain, um, on with Louis Saez on, on that perfect, you know, at all. Um, Jotham, Jotham, I have not seen your name. Thank you very much for joining the show. He said he was sitting with the West Point guys on the rail, and they said that flight line can beat life is good. Wow, that would, I mean, let's talk about it. So, life is good apparently is going to go to Dubai if everything goes well um, in the Dubai World Cup. That's a mile and a quarter. That's a pretty demanding racetrack, although speed plays well there, but it's just not a, it's not a quick surface. But speed plays well. I don't know who the hell in the world would want to go after life is good early. I will say this. If life is good, goes to Dubai, and he'd probably be three to five, four to five, right? If there's other speed in the race, like clear speed, and someone is just finds a way, a rabbit, whatever, to harass life is good, I think life is good can be beat on that track. I don't think he's really a mile and a quarter horse. I'm sure he can get the mile and a quarter. I think a mile and an eighth is life is good's sweet spot or anything less, in my opinion. Mile and a quarter, it would be testing his limits, but he's just so damn fast, it probably wouldn't matter. Um, sorry, it was Rosario. I apologize. Thanks, Gemini. Rosario was on um, Nick's go. I don't, I don't think Rosario did anything wrong. At all. I don't know what more you could ask there. Um, a flight line, life is good. I tweeted this out. How about flight line versus life is good? And folks, Speaker's Corner is not as good as those two, but he's pretty damn good. He's running 100 buyers also. Those three plus whoever else. Wow. And I believe it's on Belmont Day. I already have a partial invitation. <laughs> Thanks, Paul Halloran. We'll be talking. We'll see. I don't know if I can go, but we'll we'll see. Um, that would be crazy. I have no idea who's faster early between those two. Um, no idea. I'd have to look at the time for them. I, they're both just lightning fast. That would be, I put it on, on Twitter, that would be the matchup of the decade for me. I mean, even better than this one. That would be crazy. Let's just hope they both go. Um, all right. We are going to move on, I believe. It was a great day of racing. It was chalky. Listen, that's that, that's what happened. What are you going to do? But the racing was fantastic. Um, Life is Good and Colonel Liam both put on a show as well as Regal Glory and, and Speaker's Corner. Just a great day of racing out at Gulfstream. All right, ladies and gentlemen, on to – that took a little bit longer than I thought, but that's okay. Um, because, folks, you got to stick around because I have a lot of really cool stuff to talk about with contest play and whatnot. Let me throw some shout-outs to some people. Um, I got invited to go to to this Pegasus weekend by my new uh, partners, Adelphi Racing Club and Matt Cuter. And I just want to say, and I'm sure Matt will hear this at some point, whether it's live now or hopefully some of his partners live or as a replay. Uh, it was my first time meeting Matt Cuter in person. And I got to tell you, guys, he was fantastic. First class all the way, uh, treated me like a champ uh, to dinner, to, you know, tickets to the Pegasus. I mean, I didn't have to open my wallet like the entire weekend except for betting. I mean, I, the guy was fantastic, and I can't say enough good things about Matt Cuter and um, how he treated me over the weekend. It was just great. In fact, the last dinner we had Saturday night, um, I insisted 
I said, I'm going to feel guilty if you treat me again. So uh, I had to pay my own. I offered to treat. He wouldn't do it. Uh, so we, we split the bill Saturday night for dinner. But um, he, he, he was just fantastic and was first class all the way. That's a great thing about getting involved in a partnership. I have no idea how my two horses are going to do. I mean, hopefully they're going to win a lot of money and get to the winner's circle. And I mean, you never know. They're yearlings. And I, my brother and I have a pretty decent percent of two horses with Adelphi. And I've talked about that on my show before. Um, and if you're not familiar with me or the show, go to the YouTube channel and, and scroll down a little bit. And you can see I had a half an hour show talking about the two horses. Um, it's called uh, Adelphi. Uh, you can check it out. All about Adelphi is going to be a series of shows about Adelphi Club and their horses. So you can check that out. Um, I have no idea how those horses are going to do, but the great thing about being, you know, in a partnership is you get to meet um, a lot of people and have a lot of fun along the way. Uh, I call them Brian Squared. <laughs> there are two two different uh, Brian's that I met because uh, I'm a math teacher, so I went with Brian Squared. Really good guys. Also Wayne met him as well. These are all partners with the Delphi. Thanks guys for making my weekend uh, so much fun. Look forward to seeing everyone in. Uh, in New York, but the Adelphi story is not quite over. I'll, I'll talk about that um, in a little bit. I also want to talk very briefly about some people that I met. So if you wouldn't mind, here's very briefly, and then I'll get into some contest plays. So don't go anywhere, folks. We're going to talk about some contest strategy and plays here in just a minute. Uh, here are the, some people that I met in person and had conversations with for the first time. Are you ready? Christoph Clement and his son, Miguel, assistant trainer. They're training. Uh, one of my horses had a chance to talk to Christophe Clement for like 15 minutes. Unbelievable. Great guy. Uh, very uh, enjoyable to be around. And Miguel as well. Ron Nicoletti. Uh, a lot of you know Ron. Um, was Had drinks with him at uh, Christine Lee's, which is a restaurant outside of Gulfstream. We chopped it up just about life and horse racing. He's an analyst long time for Gulfstream Park. Brian Nadow is going to be on this show. Great guy. Met him. Does excellent work. You'll meet him next Thursday. Larry Colmus, the voice of the Triple Crown for NBC. I was having drinks and talking to Larry Colmus about his calls on Justify and American Pharaoh for like half an hour both nights. I mean, listen, I, I'm not going to apologize for being a bit of a fanboy here tonight. Are you kidding me? These people I'm meeting? Crazy. Awesome. Um... Billy Koch from Little Red Feather. Nice guy. Talked to him for a little bit. Scott Hazelton from TVG. He's going to be on the show eventually. A Chicago guy like me. Simon Bray. Simon was really nice to me. Talked to him just for a few minutes. Um, Simon will be on the show at some point. Uh, my table was next to Claiborne Farm. So I met Walter uh, Hancock, who is the president of Claiborne, and Bernie Sams, who is very integral so I met uh, some of the Claiborne crew, and I've been to Claiborne a few times as well. Um, Safi Joseph bumped into him, said hello. And then, last but certainly not least, all the wonderful family that makes up Salivo. Met the Salivo family who was there catering. Met all the uh, kids. They took me to the back, met the parents. Um, Salivo is the name of one of the horses uh, that I co-own is also a great restaurant in Saratoga Springs, as many of you know. So I was able to meet the Salivo family. Great people, great food. Can't wait to have dinner out in Saratoga with a lot of uh, my friends and the Salivo family and crew 
this summer. Uh, so it was just a great experience overall. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into contest talk here. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and switch screens here onto the right that you can't see because we need to get into some contest conversation. Um, the first contest I'm going to talk about here is going to be the Pegasus World Cup betting challenge. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here with you folks. And I'm actually going to go full screen. Uh, and I, I couldn't make it bigger. So I, if it's small on your screen, I apologize. The Pegasus challenge I decided to play, and it was a $1,500 entry fee. Uh, $1,000 was what you start with. Usually much bigger uh, than I would normally play, but I was going to be there and I wanted to play. There were 113 entries, and I was fortunate enough, you can see my name there, I was fortunate enough to finish fifth out of uh, 113. And so I received the 6,800, or that's actually what I walked away with um, in my bankroll. I started with 1,000 and with 6,800 and uh, also got um, an ultimate betting challenge seat worth 3,500 and 1,600 in cash. Now, let me put myself on screen because I want to say this right away. Um, I am not an expert contest player. I'm getting better. I'm learning. I've only been playing contests for about two years. Um, but I've talked to a lot of smart people and, um, I had some great success this weekend, but let me just say out front, I am humble. I am honored. I am grateful, uh, to be on a list of people in these contests that have been doing it for years that are very, very well known in the live money contest world. And it's just flat out amazing that, um, my names are right up there up with these people. I am no way sense shape and form saying that i'm an expert uh i but listen you got to celebrate these kind of victories when they happen so i'm not going to apologize for being really happy because this is a very uh, tough game but i do not want to come off as being arrogant know-it-all anything of that nature uh, but i do want to point out some things that i think are helpful to everyone going forward whether uh you know you're a contest player or not and uh Again, uh, Jotham, I see your comments. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Let's go back to this and let's learn a little bit. All right. So what got me to that point? I had a few major opinions on Saturday. And you can see there I finished fifth. I'm going to go ahead and take myself out, uh, back on the screen. I had a few major opinions. Uh, first of all, I played a double first race to the second race. There was a horse in the second race I liked. A maid, uh, it was a maiden race. And I started off with a double and won, you know, won about $700 right off the start. So that was a good start. Um, the Bama Breeze race hurt me quite a bit. And frankly, the uh, Cox Philly, that won race eight, that, that hurt me. So race seven and race eight, not good. And I was sort of sitting on some races for a while. So really, of my $1,000 bankroll, and again, I'll be very honest with everyone. I started with 1000 I was down to about, you know... 800-ish going the last four races, um, which is not great. You know, I was, uh, you know, some of my sort of wise guy plays didn't work out. The paces didn't develop, whatever. I decided to make a very strong play. And that strong play was I pretty much went all in on the Regal Glory Speaker's Corner double. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, try to bring that up here as we speak, because this is a good lesson for everyone. 
I loved Speaker's Corner. I thought he was better than Fearless, and I was ready to go in. If, I'm going to show on the screen here uh, this double and talk about it because this got me back in the game. So in the race before, let me go ahead and put these PPs up here. In the race before, uh, this is race nine, I played two by one. I played Regal Glory and Giftless, who was 12 to one, into Speaker's Corner. Now the Giftless double obviously was paying pretty darn good. Like, I don't know, I think it was like 25, 26 bucks, something around there. The Regal Glory um, Speaker's Corner double, as you're going to see, didn't pay as much, but it's important to understand. You can see the double. I don't know if you guys can see it there on the bottom of the screen. It paid four eighty for a dollar. Okay, four eighty. Now before you start laughing and saying, Howard, what do you why are you playing such a low race or a low output? Listen, if I told you right now that I love that I love, love, love a five to one shot, or that you loved a five to one shot, are you telling me you wouldn't bet it? Well, I thought Regal Glory could not lose that turf race unless something really bad happened. She towered over the field. I played Giftless as a backup. I didn't really like anyone else strongly. I talked about bipartisanship on the show, the 11, but there was a big scratch in the race, and the speed came out, and it just didn't look like it set up for a closer. I thought Regal Glory was almost essential in that race. And I loved Speaker's Corner in the next race, and I thought it was only a two-horse race between him and uh, Fearless. So look, I put, you know, $500 double. I think it was $500 double I don't have it in front of me. Uh, Regal Glory to Speaker's Corner. It worked out. Why was that important? Because it got me to a place where I could fire. So now I've got 25, 2600. I'm still like in, I don't know, like 12th, 13th place. I still got a ways to go. But now I've got equity. Now I've got a chance to fire and Gotham, I see your. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name. I see your question. You said, "Was I scared Regal Glory was so far back?" Uh, not really. They were going an okay pace, and she has a monster kick. I really wasn't worried, to be very honest with you. Uh, so that was big. That got me to around 2,300 in the contest, but still not nearly enough to win. I figured to win or to get an H NHC seat, I needed around 10,000. That was the goal. And again, Matt Miller. Um, and I discussed about where I need to get to. Uh, Matt is an excellent contest player, especially, and he he said this on my show, so no, no shade throwing his way. He, he calls himself a B minus, like C plus handicapper. Um, I think he's a little better than that, but his strength for sure is money management. And so um, I did all my own handicapping all weekend for all these scores. Um, I figure I need to get to 10,000. So the next the, the last real big play uh, was the turf race into uh, the, uh, into Life is Good. So what I did very briefly is I played, uh, I, I dutched it. So I played doubles with Sp uh, Space Traveler, um, Sacred Life, and I believe it was uh, Hit the Road, I believe, was the third horse that I used. I used those three horses into Life is Good. And then really more as a backup. I'm going to be honest. I, I was trying to beat Colonel Liam. In fact, a lot of people in the contest were trying to beat Colonel Liam because I think a lot of people in the contest lost money when Colonel Liam won. 
Uh, I a lot of people thought he was a bad favorite, but I decided, you know what, if Colonel Leanham wins, I, I want to make sure I have him. So I played another double, Colonel Liam into Life Is Good. Everyone knows the result. That's the double that I hit. I played it for you know big amount. Um, got up to my final total of 6,500. I was surprised it gave me fifth. I thought it'd be more like seventh, eighth, ninth. Again, I think a lot of people were betting against Colonel Liam in the contest. And I think a lot of people also did a double in the Knicks go thinking a lot of people in the contest would be contrarian. Cause I think there's a lot of steam on life is good. And so I think a lot of people did doubles in the Knicks go anyway, if space trailer sacred life or uh, hit the road had won into life is good. I would have been around the $10,000 mark, um, which in hindsight would have given me another 3,500. So that would have been great. But I actually think if that had come in, I still would have finished like fifth or sixth. Uh, because I think a lot of people have that double. Um, anyway, that's what happened in the Pegasus uh, betting cha- challenge. It was my best finish for a big tournament uh, in terms of live money ever. Um, there were a lot of people firing in from the NHC. All the great players in the country were playing that Pegasus uh, challenge for the most part. So to come in fifth right behind um, another great player uh, in uh, Marshall Graham was awesome. All right, so that's my that's Pegasus. Now, what happened uh, after that? Um, and I see we have some comments here. Matt Miller has just commented, incredibly well thought out. Well, Matt, you were part of that, so thank you. Uh, we, we teamed up together with the strategy. But um, And Matt, would I don't know if Matt's going to put in this chat or not. Honestly, Matt said, Howard, you're an excellent handicapper. You do the handicapping. Uh, Matt, if you're still listening, you want to chime in and, and just uh, second that. And again, I'm not saying that to brag. I just want people to understand that's how good Matt is with the money management. So we're good. We're a good team uh, in that way. Um, but uh, um, I, I just I had all the final decisions. Of course, it was my entry on, on the handicapping there. Um, so now that wasn't the end of it because I don't think I have anything really to show you. But then, uh, so now it's Sunday. I'm flying home. There was a mandatory pick six payout um, at Gulfstream. Here's Matt. It's chiming in. Hummer said my picks. Thanks, Matt, just for just for verifying that for everyone. Then on the plane, I'm handicapping the uh, pick six. There's a mandatory uh, pick six that paid out uh, Sunday. And up oh, we got. Let me. Uh, sorry about. Let me just bend down. This is going to change the. Uh, there we go. Sorry about the focus issue there. Up oh, still. A little, there we go. Okay. Then the pick six. I I called Matt Cuter, uh my uh, the uh, managing partner of. Adelphi got a few of the boys to go and said, guys, let's do a, let's, let's, let's try to crush this pick six. We put a ticket together, uh, four A's, two B's, 25 G baby. We hit for 25 grand. I had a third of that, uh, Matt Cuter and a, and a few other guys in the partnership. Uh, Jordan Zotz, I'll throw his name out there. Hello, Jordan. If you hear this, uh, was part of that. Uh, bet as well, and we cashed for twenty-five thousand, which is uh, awesome. Hopefully, you folks cashed out there, or at least made a run at it in the pick six. Um, <laughs> Brad chimes in. Uh, Matt would have had was a hundred percent next go. Uh, uh, again, Matt won the BCBC because Nick's go won. <laughs> um, so, actually, Brad, I think Matt. Uh, yeah, he like, there you go. Absolutely right. 
Uh, no, no one can blame you. Matt Miller uh, collected half a million on Nixco. Uh, so listen, he of course he's Nixco there. Uh, Delphi Racing, thank you for that. I love the emoji. Yeah, so then we crushed the uh, pick six. So that was another good thing. Now, here's the last thing. Um, and again, comment from Adelphi Racing. Uh, yeah, they just trusted me, folks. Listen, it's just one of those weekends. Uh, I lose these bets all the time, just like everyone else. Uh, just one of those magical weekends. It was just, uh, it was awesome. Um, so Chris Mack, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, that, that Mod Horse was 20 to 1, by the way, Chris. I know you know that. The Mod Horse was 20 to 1 morning line, folks, and went off at 6 to 1. Which uh, the parlay was, I haven't actually calculated yet, but the parlay, it had to be three or four times the parlay. There was no price bigger than, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, or anyone else. I believe the biggest price was that Mod Horse at six to one. It was like four to five. I don't have it written down. Uh, I'm just looking through my notes here. Um, but I'm sure maybe someone could chime in. in. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have the, yeah, I do. Sorry, here it is. Uh, let me take this off the screen. Here are the prices of the pick six yesterday at Gulfstream. Are you ready? Four to five. That usually lowers it right away. It started with a Pletcher um, turf horse. Four to five, five to one, six to one. That was the mod horse. Five to one, nine to two, nine to two. So a lot of middle middle prices, and it paid 25 grand for 20 cents. That's like paying 250000 on a on a $2 Old school pick six ticket. That's crazy. So, again, the morning line is definitely, if you can find a horse you like, folks, that's a big morning line, it's going to jump up the parlay a ton. But don't leave me yet, folks, because I got one more story to share with you, and then I'll talk about my uh, pool two in the Derby. Uh, Okay, so (laughs) then um, I decided to play, you know what, I'm on a roll. Let me see if I can get a second seat and let me go ahead and uh sorry folks as i try to find something i'm going to show you the result of there we go i'm getting to it right now folks um actually let me show you one other thing too the pick six uh, i put this out on twitter um this is going to look a lot better than than you think folks but i'll go full screen here was the win. I know it doesn't show the winning bet, but if you don't believe me, you can look it up for yourself. Right here, this one I'm pointing at was the winning bet. It actually was only $9.60, but this was part of a much bigger bet. We put $1,000, just to let you know, into this bet. So not just me. I mean, I was in with a lot of people. Um, but the actual bet that hit was only $9.60, but it was a bigger part of an ABC uh, bet. So that first one you see was the winning pick six uh, ticket right there. But again, we, we played uh, bigger than, it wasn't the only uh, ticket that we played. Um, sorry, you get to see my Twitter. Okay, this one, there we go. Now we're talking. This is the story, folks, that I want to share with you about contest play. And again, we have a lot of people watching, greatly appreciate it. Um, I again, I can't make it bigger for, uh, hopefully you guys can see that, or you can check my Twitter handle. Uh, my very first... My very first, send out those clap emojis on the uh, on the chat. My very first ever uh, first place championship score in a live money uh, tournament. And it wasn't a real small one. There were like 78 people in this tournament. You can see I ended up crushing the competition. 
it's sort of funny how it all happened. Um, I finished with 11,255. I beat a very, very, actually several very good contest players. Christian Helmers is one of the best handicappers, contest players in the country. Um, Chris Mack, thanks for the applause. Um, I'm not familiar with a few of these, but uh, Justin Dew, Sean Nolan, these are good players, um, very good players. And I got to talk about how I got to the 11255 Now, this one, folks, was only – it was a $500 buy-in. I started with $300. <laughs> I have to laugh because it's crazy. I started with $300, folks. That's what everyone starts with, $300. It was only at Sanita yesterday. And the format was, as usual, wouldn't play show, exact to tries and doubles. But there were no mandatories. You didn't have to bet any particular races. You didn't have to bet a minimum in any of the races. You just had to bet $300 any way you want. You can bet 10, 10, you know, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, you know, whatever. You can bet 300 on one horse in one race. You could do whatever you want, whatever you wanted. So I handicapped the card. Frankly, there were a lot of small fields. I didn't like a lot of the races, blah, blah, blah. There were nine races, folks. The very first bet I made, God's honest truth, was a double race six to race seven. I just did a $50 straight double race six to race seven. Missed. Missed. Uh, uh, now I'm down to 250. Uh, the next double, I only had opinions in the later races. Then I decided, you know what? I have to I have to gun it a little bit here. I mean, gun it. It's $250. But, you know, again, I don't want to throw shade towards anyone on a lower budget. Just in the contest world, that's not a lot of money. So I, I spent the rest of my 250 bucks on some doubles race. And I'm going to show, I got PPs to show you too. Race seven to race eight. Uh, and I actually want to show this because those of you that are uh, familiar with my show will have heard of some of these horses that I bet. So let me get into this here. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen, folks, if you don't mind. So this was race seven. And you see familiar faces. Friars Road was a horse that I loved, loved, loved at what I thought was going to be a price back in the winter. Comment on the chat if you remember we talk, us talking about Friars Road uh, in a big turf race at San Anita, who had a monster close and just lost to United. Um, so Friars Road's a horse I've always liked. And I actually thought Acclimate, who ended up finishing last, maybe was going to wire the field. So I, I, I faded say the word. And I got to go back on screen. Say the word I loved last time. Loved. He, I talked about on the show. Went off at five to one. Loved to say the word last time. Hated him here. Didn't like the way he was working. Uh, I thought say the word's better going longer. I, again, sometimes you love him. Sometimes you hate him. So I went two by two. I went Friars Road and Acclimate in this race. And I'll show the next race. And I went the... Unwritten Code, and Bold Choice. So I had the top two finishers. And that doubles, you can see, the Friars Road Unwritten Code double, who who was a uh, speed horse, paid, you can see, 2640. I don't know if you can see that. Paid 2640 for two. Long story short, I'm going to put myself back on screen. I had $543. And I, I, don't, I actually, th I don't think anyone could look it up, but I'm not going to lie about it. I had $543, start with $300, $543, folks, going into the last race of the tournament. 
the 543, I was in like, uh, I don't know, like 10th or 11th, I believe, or 12th. We'll, we'll see it in a second. Uh, the leaders at that point were around 2,500. I made the calculation I needed to get to somewhere around four or 5,000. I thought if I can get to four or 5,000, so I had to bet 543 to get to four or 5,000. So basically I had to, you know, times 10 of my bet. I figured I had a shot, no guarantee, but a shot to win the whole thing. So what did I do? Uh, and Chris Mack, uh, yeah, Maglev is who I needed. So here's what I did, folks, and I'm just going to bear with me. And again, we're going to watch the last race at San Anita just for fun because I want to watch the excitement again. Uh, I'm, I don't want to show you the chart yet. So I played a $30 try, uh, one with 6-8 with all. One was the I, – I thought the one couldn't lose. I, I just – I loved I loved this horse. The horse went off at 6-5, by the way. This is not a long shot. I, I loved uh, Maglev. I thought the horse was going to be very tough to beat. He went off at six to five. Uh, the six and eight were the second and third choice, but I just liked them most of everyone else. So I went top choice to second, third choice to all. This is where it gets interesting. $30 try. By the way, um, yeah, that cost me $300. Then I did hundred the rest of it, hundred um, or actually about 200 on a try one with six, eight with two, three, four, five. Now this is where this is important because I didn't want to go six, eight again because a one, six, eight or one, eight, six wasn't going to get me there. So I had to play some bigger prices in that third slot. And I, so I went one with six, eight with two, three, four, five. And the four horse is the one that makes this entire race. So I'm going to go ahead and we're going to show the race here. I'm going to bring it up on the PPs here. Um, I'm going to show the whole race. Just for fun here, right now, let's let's take a look at this race. This is the Baffle Stakes, the last race at Santa Anita. And I think I, I don't have the sound here on, so we'll just go ahead and watch it together here. Um, again, I have to have one with 6-8. If it's not one with 6-8, I flat out lose. This is just a turf race here. It's a, it's a sprint. The four was the one that I thought was actually slightly interesting. And you can see the price of the four was 70. That's right. 7-0 to one. Again, the one is pulling really hard here. But he's getting a very nice trip on the inside with a wall in front of him. There was a little bit of speed up front right here when the one tips the outside, folks. I really thought I was a winner at this point, to be honest. The six and eight, you can't even see. They're both like in traffic in here. And I was a little bit worried, frankly, about both of them. The eight is very wide. The six is right here. You take, you see this, that's the six who's studying. So that was not good. And the eight is pretty wide. I was very worried at this point that the one was going to win, but that the six or eight was not going to come uh, second or third. You see the one winding up. He blows by. Let me freeze it right here. So actually I'll go a little bit forward. Let me freeze it right here. Okay. The eight horse, I believe uh, the eight horse is right here. So the eight horse is done. The eight horse is not getting second. I need this horse right here in the purple. And this is in the silks for Doug O'Neill, right? For Redham Racing. I need this horse who just studied back. You saw the study, right? I need this horse to come out, come on and finish second. And I was I didn't think he was gonna do it. But as here I thought the one was gonna take the lead. And you see the six right here. 
he's got a little bit of a hold, and he saw I saw this hole right here. I'm like, if he has horse, it's possible. And look what happens. The one gets the lead. Here comes the six finding the hole. And take a look at the inside, folks, because the four is 70 to one. Does the four hold on? Ooh. It doesn't look like it, right? I mean, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it looks like it, right? So <laughs> the two right here, I also had, but the two was 20 to one. So you got 20 to one here. You got 70 to one here. I'm going to back it up one more time. Uh, and then I'm going to show the, the PPs of the four, and then we'll go ahead and talk one thing on the show. The four, and this was just flat out lucky, gets a crazy. I'm going to see if I can freeze it. If you didn't watch the last race at San Anita, the four gets a crazy bob. Let's see if I can freeze it here. Well, it was a, it was, I, I start, I was a little late. But anyway, the, the two's head was back here. The four, as I go ahead and bring this off screen, crazy enough, the four ends up uh, coming in third, folks. And that was, it was literally the best case scenario. I had, I had a 50. <laughs> That's right, 5 0. I had a $50 try, so I hit both of my tickets. One, uh, the six was five to one. I'll go ahead and put the chart up now. The six was five to one. Go ahead and look on the right side of the screen, folks. The six was five to one, and there's the bomb, 77 to one. The try for 50 cents, 50 cent try, paid 113. I added 50 times. Uh, uh, sorry, this was for 50 cents. You have to double that. The try paid 226. I had it for 50 times. I mean, seriously? Unbelievable. So I had 226 times 50, and that gave me my final total in the 11,000s. And again, um, what I am proud of my uh, of my bet here especially, and it, this is a good lesson for everyone, is I didn't like this horse that was uh, 15.6 to 1, and I didn't like this horse that was 19.7 to 1. So it's not like I, you know, I could have pressed up with those two and not the 77 to 1. But let me show really quickly the PPs, because this is where I think it's interesting. Here's the four. This was the PPs, the four, that finished um, in third, 77 to 1. Now, when you look at the PPs here, uh, not good. Lost by 14. By the way, on the dirt, right? On the dirt. Lost by 19. The last race he was in was in the grade two Los Alfuturi. So they, they think pretty high of this horse. Lost by 39 lengths. Completely gave it up. There's two things I liked about the four. One is this horse has some speed, right? But here's what I really, really liked. And this is the great thing about DRF Formulator. If you look at the dam, take a look at the dam. Okay. Here's the dam. Guys, brilliant future. Look at these turf races. Okay. Other than 66, 83, 72 was in the first lady. Was it was staked in 2012. Ran a Keelan, wired the field with an 89. 72. This horse had some turf breeding. And then you look down and you see all three of the uh, uh, foals of the dam have won. Who else? Look at this horse. Here's here here's the uh, children. Ellie Arroway won 127,000. 100,000 on turf. Turf horse. And could route, too. 
the other horse not as good, but one on turf. And and then there's Olympic uh, legend who you can see ran third. So as I go back here, this is a great lesson for everyone that there was breeding on the dam side. Absolutely. Absolute breeding on the dam side. I'm like, I have to use this horse underneath. I didn't think this horse could come second, but I had to press up. I got lucky on the Bob, obviously. If the two had won, or gotten third, I probably would have had around 5,000-ish. I don't know if I would have come in first. It would have been close. Uh, but obviously, the four there helped. Uh, Matt has a question. Matt Miller, do you consider doing two huge, or did I consider doing two huge exactors, one-sixth and then one-eighth, or just one huge exact with one of them, or were those so low that you knew you needed long shots in the try? Great question, uh, Matt. I do not recall, Matt, what the doubles were, or excuse me, what the exactors were, to be honest. The eight, when it was uh, seven to two, I actually liked him less, Matt. I liked the six more at five to one. The six to five, actually, we can see what it paid. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. Let me just look. I'm not going to switch screens. The uh, Matt, the six five exacta, I did look at it. Um, or sorry, the, the one six exacta, excuse me. The one six exacta ended up paying, hold on, folks, give me a second. Uh, the exacta paid, mm, here it is. It paid 890. Matt, never mind. So basically nine to one. So if I had gunned everything, if I just said, screw it, I'm just going to do a one six exacta uh, for $540 uh, times nine, uh, that would have gotten me about 5,000. But Matt, I wasn't sure that was going to get me to where I need to go. I mean, we talked about this. We didn't talk about the exacta uh, payouts, but the one eight definitely wouldn't have got me there. So I didn't think the one six exacta was going to get me there. Matt and everyone else, and I figured uh, if it became one six something, and I got a price in the third leg, which I thought was possible, or the you know the third place in the try for show, I thought it could pay a lot more. So that's a great uh, question. Uh, Matt did the calculation about five thousand and ten. So no, I would have not come in first. Um, so yeah, that was my reasoning. Uh, thanks, Chris. Something. So anyway. Uh, that's my story there, folks, on the Breeders' Cup betting challenge. I'll just go ahead and bring back, uh, so there you go. <laughs> I mean, I was celebrating crazily. I was also laughing because that was literally, literally the best case scenario. I got a bit lucky, but I had to make the right bet, and I got uh, fortunate with the correct uh, bet that I made. I was just very lucky with the bob there. Otherwise, uh, I wouldn't have collected that much. So that was my very first score. Um, uh, in a live money tournament as a champion. That was pretty cool. I've uh, got another Ultimate Betting Challenge seat. So I have two seats in the Ultimate Betting Challenge, which is a $3,500 live money tournament in March. Um, and I also got a, a little cash prize. Uh, I got a cash prize for that as well. Uh, again, not bragging, uh, very proud. I talked about my losses. I already said tonight on some bad opinions, so I give it to you straight, folks. Um, Ralph, uh, 4,000. Uh, again, you folks can look it up if you really want. Uh, I got 4,000 for first on top of the 11,000, and then I got 3,500 on top of that. So I scored out, Ralph, 
Uh, yesterday's contest, I scored out, um, where is it? There it is, 18,755. That's what I collected uh, yesterday. So, pretty cool. Uh, very exciting. All right. Um, yeah, that takes care of the tournament. I got one more thing I want to talk about, so don't leave the show, folks. And again, I really appreciate all you supporting the show. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would, I really, I need you to subscribe. If you like the show, please do it. Please sign up for the Race Day blog. I'd really appreciate that through patreon.com backslash H, uh, excuse me, backslash HHH Racing Podcast. Information's below the video player. Um, again, sign up for that blog starting tomorrow or the next few days so you don't get charged twice. That's how you can support me and the channel. It'd be greatly appreciated. One more thing I want to talk to everyone about. On, on some bets that I have no idea what will happen. But just for fun, to close out the show. And again, uh, as I mentioned, I put a bet into the future pool. Let me show everyone. I'm not going to show you my actual bet, but I'll tell you what I bet. Again, I'm an honest guy. Um, you all could laugh at me and make fun of me later on if you want. Or you can celebrate with me uh, on Kentucky Derby Day. All right, I'm going to bring these up here, folks. And again, let me make this a little bit bigger. I'll make it a little bigger in a second. This is the end result of uh, Pool 2. This was uh, last, uh, yeah, last weekend. Pool 2 of the Kentucky Derby Futures closed, and I wanted to make a bet. I'd planned on doing this for a while. There's one particular horse I really wanted to bet, and I was getting the right odds. So let me make this bigger now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'll just even tell you how much I have, too. I have... $200. You can record this and we can play this and hopefully I'll be sh showing this replay um, if the horsing racing gods are on my side. We'll, we'll all replay this uh, in, what, three months from now. Um, I have a $200 win bet on command performance. 41 to 1, folks. You heard it from me first. Command performance, I have a $200 bet. 41 to 1. Who is Command Performance? Let me tell briefly, then I'll go back. Command Performance uh, had a very good year last year. Uh, actually, has not won a race yet, actually. Finished second um, in a very good main race, then went to the Champagne and ran second again against Jack Christopher, who was awesome last year. I think Command Performance wants more distance. Went to the Breeders' Cup. He was the 10 horse in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. You can watch the replay if you want. Was four or five wide most of the way. Um, did not get the trip at all. Still ran okay. Lost a Corniche. I think he finished, I think a command performance either finished fourth or fifth. I'm not sure. Um, he's a little bit late getting back to the track. He's in Pletcher's Barn. He should have his first work in the next week or two. He's probably only going to get two shots at the apple to get into the Derby. He's going to probably run in the Fountain of Youth, I would assume, and then the Florida Derby, or maybe Todd will ship him to New York and run in the wood. But again, I'm hoping, praying, command performance uh, continues to stay healthy. They start working him out well. He gets the distance like I think he can. I think he's very talented. Command performance, my top choice right now uh, for the Kentucky Derby. I've got 200 to win on him. At 41 to 1. If you have anyone else, folks, if you have any bets that you want to share, let me know. Uh, I have two other smaller bets I'll just throw out to everyone. 
I have $50 on uh, two other horses. Uh, I have on, where are they? I'm drawing a blank. Giant Game. There we go. Giant Game, who is 28 to 1. I have $50 win bet on Giant Game. You can see on the screen there. And I also have $50 on Epicenter. They're actually right next to each other. So I have $50 on Giant Game and Epicenter. They, that would give me you know a little more than 1000 So basically, I bet, I bet 300 bucks. I'm not going to bet any more. That is it. I'm done for any futures. I'm not dropping any more money in the futures. If Giant Game or Epicenter can win the Derby, I'll get about 1000 If Command Performance can win the Derby, uh, over 8000 Woo! I'm just hoping Command Performance gets the Derby. I and mean, that's all you really want to hope for, folks, in these kind of bets. You just want to hope that your horses actually get in the starting gate. So that is my hope. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will take a few uh, questions, then we'll just wrap up the show. Uh, I have nothing else on my end. Um, uh, Joe Thumb's got $100 on a manual. Good luck. A manual uh, is another Pletcher horse. Good luck, Joe Thumb. Ralph chimes in. Um, hope you win, but uh, uh, Turfway Park, or Todd Pletcher, sorry. Uh, not the best. I'm, I'm fine with it, Ralph. He's one, <laughs> he's one of the best dirt trainers in the country. Um, probably second or first next to um, Baffert. Uh, you want to put him one, two, and Cox is right there also now. Um, I'll, I'll take Todd Pletcher all day on a derby horse. He's won the derby before. Uh, Ralph, I, I'm not sure where you're going with that. Plus the Baffert horses might not be in the Derby, right? So, I mean, it would, that wouldn't matter to me anyway. Um, so I got no problem. Todd Pletcher, um, Tom, thank you very much. If anyone has any quick questions, I'll, I'll answer them and to give everyone about 30 seconds to type in any questions in the chat or any comments that I'll bring up on the screen and then go out and wrap up the show. I'm going to go ahead and and bring up uh, the banner again. You can find out about next week and also the race day blog and other things. Uh, we have a few other comments here that I want to bring up. Um, Jim likes, uh, oh, you have a hundred on chasing time. Very nice. Um, yeah, he, I believe he ran and was a little disappointed, but good luck on with chasing time, uh, Jim. And uh, listen, it's a long way to go. You need points. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. Let me take the banner off the screen again. Don't forget about the race day blog. And also I should mention, I should mention before I'm on Spotify and Apple podcast. So, uh, please make sure you check me out on Spotify and Apple podcast, subscribe there, listen to the show. You can hear the audio versions on there. And again, there's the information on screen. If you're watching the video of this of the race day blog, please sign up tomorrow, February 1st or after that. I really think you'll have, uh, it's, it's good content and it is uh, well worth it uh, to purchase that. And hopefully the hits will keep on coming. I mean, you never know folks, but <laughs> I'll tell you, it was a crazy fun weekend and hopefully we'll have a lot more uh, fun weekends uh, in the near future. Please watch the show next Thursday with Brian Nadow, 8 o'clock Eastern, as we preview Gulfstream races on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it. This has been Howard Kravitz for the HHH Racing Podcast. Thanks for watching. 
tonight. Hopefully you had a good weekend and enjoyed the Pegasus World Cup Day. Please check me out this Thursday night for another great card next Saturday at Gulfstream. Take care, everyone. Have a great evening. Good night.